Um, here's the thing. Do we want to even try to fucking do a cold intro? Because it never gets used. I don't think we need to. We'll say. Yeah, eventually. Eventually. We'll- yeah. So I'll introduce myself. Beto will introduce himself. I'll introduce you, Naila. Ask you, how's it go? Mm-hmm. What color is my underwear? Red. Yeah, stuff like that. You know, just <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Fucking weirdo. You got um, it. Is it, is it, it? Wait, what was it? Red? Red? No. Oh, damn. Is it green? No, it's just black. I don't know. Oh, you fucking loser. Mine is. I've got penguins on it. So. We get it. You have me undies. We get it. I have a me undies subscription. We actually don't because we don't have any more. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of uh, Out of Phase presented by Portland State Professional Sound. Uh, I, I'm Drew Hafner. And I'm Beto Carrasco. Yeah, and we've we've been <laughs> a little bit MIA, a little bit uh, off the radar the last couple of weeks. Um, we've just had, you know, a couple of things. Like, our term just ended. We're all students, so uh, we m- missed one there and then posted one a week late and all that kind of stuff. But it's summer term. Most of us aren't doing anything. Some of us are taking classes, but we're back in the saddle with our weekly show. And this week, to start off <laughs> our recording again... We're just going to come full cycle because, once again, we have Nayeli Naranjo Robles with Woo! us. Hi, Nayeli. Hello. Woo! What do you do at PS? Well, Tell now us. I'm just I'm just a, a person who attends meetings oh, that's... and writes oh. the, the blog, I guess. But I, I used to be the general manager. Hype. Uh, yeah. So what – I mean, we, did, we kind of have started asking people, like, what kind of music they're into and kind of got, trying to get a sense of, like, what they're, like – profile is kind of a thing. their so mo kind of music are you into yeah their mo that's a good way of putting it um i like shitty alt music <laughs> uh, ju- just the strokes yeah Damn. the strokes is my favorite band um we were trying to find another person to come on the show this week and oh. i was like yeah i'll do it and you got really excited about what you're going to talk about and i was like you can't talk about the strokes I, I, no like, no no okay to. actually i would describe my music taste as melancore adjacent Oh, what okay. is melancore? I, I like pretend I know what that is because I can assume. Okay, I got, but I don't have a definition. Melancore is the is the type of music that Anthony Fantano. Anthony no, Fantano. let me fucking talk. Let me explain it. That Anthony Fantano fans listen to and like have meme pages. A lot of them. Sorry, what? But who's Anthony Fantano? Anthony Fantano is a music... The Needle, re- drop? The needle drop? is a music reviewer on YouTube, and he's probably, like, the most well-known modern music reviewer. Um, yeah, And right. his fans jokingly call him Melon, which is why I say Melancore. Um, yeah. It's, oh, he's got a big yeah. bald head. Oh, got it. Yeah, and it's this certain kind of music that is, like, a mix of albums that he's given a 10 slash other music that these soft white boys tend to like and oh, like anything that anything yeah. that max likes or anything that max melancore. likes yeah well i would no, i would say no shame on max. max is like melancore but i would say i'm adjacent because like the the strokes is my favorite band you know or like i also like will listen to like spanish music or whatever you know hell yeah so what's your um, 
What's your connection to music? How did you get into working in this industry? Because I know that you want to keep working in this industry to some extent. Yeah, it's been a whole fucking wild ride as to how I got to where I am now. Um, <laughs> but basically, it was like it was theater. Um, it was theater. Yep. Nayeli and I went to high school together and we're in the same theater. Program. Yeah, it, That's how I know about this place. It was the fact that I started working for a musical theater company and it was also the fact that me and you, Drew, had that music literature class. And that was, really? yeah, that was kind of like. That surprised mm-hmm, me. That was like the year that I started to more. And this was like my senior year of high school, by the way. Um, that was when I like first started to take music a little bit more seriously. Like want to expand what I like more than mm-hmm. just. More than Fall Out Boy. Uh, more, more than like whatever Tumblr told me to listen to, you know. Or Pierce um, the Veil. Don't talk shit about Pierce the Veil. I love. Dude, that's Pierce like the my veil. favorite band. Oh my god! We should wait, just wait. do a Pierce the Veil. Episode. I, I, so I moved back home to save money. <laughs> R.I.P. I'm sorry, Bates. So I know. I wish we could have lived together. Um, but my mom found this Pierce the Veil pullover that I wore in high school. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm totally gonna wear it oh, this no. fall. Oh no, you have that Fallout Boy jumper too. No, I remember. Ale has like that. Kind of Ale wears that, that Ale now. Has now. Second generation mm-hmm. Fallout Boy. I've seen fan. them wear it. Um, you're the same generation, <laughs> but okay. Sure. Um, where was I? I don't remember. Right. Fallout you Boy. In a theater. You took a class about music and, literature, and then I applied to PSBS. Um. Because I was like, oh, sound, tech. I do I do tech because theater. I want to learn about sound. I never did sound in high school. and none of us ever knew how. Yeah. And then that year, that was like the, the true, like the previous year led up to it. But that was like the main year. And like it is because of PSPS that I stopped being a theater major. Um, and... Then for a while, I was like, I want to do tech stuff. And now I'm like, I want to work. I want to do some kind of music journalism kind of shit. So I think. I think. Nice. You <laughs> think? Yeah. Somewhere around music. Yeah, I get yeah. you. Sweet. Yeah, well, I mean, it's good to have you on again, obviously. Um, and you're going to talk about some something. Yeah, something. <laughs> so later in the show, Nyla's going to talk about uh, counter- no, no, correct. Well, I get. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, trying to identify what 2000s counterculture is in terms of music. Yeah, that that yeah. is essentially what I'm going to try and talk about. <laughs> so we're going to talk about, I think, a lot about counterculture today in 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 more ways than one, uh, because we're going to talk about that, and Beto's going to talk a little bit about um, my top like, ten Vampire Weekend songs. <laughs> top yes, 10 Vampire Weekend songs. Shout out to my Vampire Weekend pullover that I'm wearing right now. <laughs> They're just going to talk a little bit about uh, like like post '90s alternative uh, rock and a little bit about noise. Guitar um, go, brr. yeah, just noisy, some noisy, some noisy stuff. Um, and but before we do all of that, we're going to return to my nostalgia corner, which is never going to be a good name. Um, and that's what makes I imagine, it good. Yeah, it's just always going to be corny as fuck. Um, but uh, this week we're going to talk about uh, Slater Kinney. Um, Slater Kinney, have you guys heard of Slater Kinney before? Mm-hmm. Not before you mentioned Dude, it. Dude, we live Not in PNW. <laughs> they do. It's true. That's actually a really big part about what I'm going to talk about. So uh, so we're specifically going to talk about the song One More Hour, which is on their album Dig Me Out. 
which is one of their like more seminal works. But we're going to talk about them, broadly speaking, as I always do. Um, so the band itself, I, I, like Danielle said, they're from the Pacific Northwest. They they were formed in Olympia, Washington, which is like, I want to say like an hour and a half south of Seattle. It's just on I-5 as you drive up north to Seattle. Uh, so in Olympia in 1994... Um, it was formed by uh, Corinne Tucker and Carrie Brownstein, who are both from the Pacific Northwest. Brownstein's from Seattle, and Corinne Tucker's actually from Eugene. Um, and they were both Whoa. going to school in Olympia at, I think, Evergreen State College. Fucking Evergreen. Um, Evergreen. <laughs> it's really cool because this uh, – they. the next thing I've written down perfectly segues into that. They came up in, in what's called the Riot Girl scene, which is a like a uh, a feminist punk genre that came out of – predominantly olympia but broadly the pacific northwest eugene and portland and seattle were also really important spots for it and it kind of uh combined like third wave feminism and punk and uh talked about a lot of the same issues that uh, more predominant third wave feminists were talking about um and it kind of helped develop the genre of indie actually all three of the big members of of um slater kinney were in Riot Girl bands previous to being in Slater Kenny. Um, and the most uh, notable one is Corinne Tucker, the lead singer who is in Heavens to Betsy, which is like a very monolithic uh, Riot Girl band. What is a and Riot Girl band? What is a Riot Girl band? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a Riot Girl band is just, it's usually an all female band um, or not necessarily all female. I, I would imagine that there are still Riot Girl bands out there who have like queer members who maybe are not. Don't identify as, as female. So, so usually uh, it's a band that plays uh, uh, Riot Girl music that is like that indie punk uh, focusing on women's issues and queer issues and, and, and things like that. They're really uh, associated with third and fourth wave feminism. Um, so yeah, uh, Slater Kinney is also named after a prominent road in Olympia. It's Slater Kinney Road, which you can actually, you drive underneath as you drive north on I-5 going to Seattle. It, you can see the street sign for it, Slater Kinney Road. And, um, many of you may not be familiar with the band, but a lot of you are probably familiar with their, their lead guitarist and, and backup vocalist, Carrie Brownstein, because she's actually, went on to create the show Portlandia with Fred Armisen. So the, the That's why I said it familiar. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so the other half of the Portlandia duo is is Carrie Brownstein. Uh, Duh. So that's, yes. Uh, this is and that's how I actually came across this because I love Portlandia. I think it's a great show. And I knew that she was in a band. I knew it was called Slater Kinney and I just like started listening to it one day and I was like, that's great. I love Corinne Tucker's voice. It's fucking weird. <laughs> um, every episode I have to do an impression of the band that I'm about, I think it's the deal. It's always Alt-J, though. It's not. No, because if it was Alt-J, it would be like... Hold on. Let me... <laughs> oh, you've got the dark. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. It's, it's, it's a little bit, because every, everyone is a little bit Alt-J. It's just like Alt-J, but if Alt-J was a woman... It's cursive singing. With more... It's 
cursive singing. No, Corinne that Tucker makes is like Corinne Tucker is, is like dashed lines. Yeah, because everything is like. It's like you're like hitting your throat, like oh you got the dog. Yeah, I love it. Um, I really enjoy this song uh, as a song, and I think primarily because of its simplicity. I I think it's a really, really clean, really like cut and not cut and dry because that makes it seem like it's boring. But it's it's two guitars, two vocalists, and some drums, and there's nothing super complicated going on. And I I think I just enjoy that in music. Um, I also really enjoy uh, how the guitars kind of juxtapose and complement each other really nicely. They're like, you've got one that plays the melody, and then that other, the like really high pitched distorted, like, it's, it's, I think that they sound really nice together. I think that they invoke a lot of like the inspiration for that type of music and they pull a lot from punk and grunge and all this other stuff. Um, and like proto punk, like the Kings and the Stooges and things like that. Um, you know about the Stooges? <laughs> of course, I know about the Stooges. Who the fuck do you think I am? I know I'm about surprised. the. Sto- oh god, I love Iggy Pop's music. It's great. You're surprised that I know about the Stooges? Everyone knows Just a about the Stooges. Bit. I mean, I didn't even know about the Stooges for a hot oh, second. God. Roberto. <laughs> yes, I know about the Stooges. <laughs> I think it's more. I think it's more uh, like emblematic of the Kings than the Stooges. But it's it 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 calls back to that kind of music. I think. I also really. I, I don't know. I I really enjoy the vocals. I, but I want to know what you two think about the vocals in this. Song. I love this song. When I, I when like I, I okay, so I haven't really listened to their stuff, but I know of them, and I know that I've heard their stuff because, like I said, yeah. we live in PNW, like. You know, yeah, I play them at work a lot too. <laughs> yeah, and I so when I play this, even though like I didn't know what I was, what it was gonna be, as soon as it, I I heard that guitar, I was like, shit, this slaps, like, <laughs> yeah, bangers. It is. I think that yeah, it they their their vocals are both these like interesting kind of acquired taste, and I think that the term acquired taste is super cliche, but like, I don't know this like cor- go ahead. I okay, so here's the thing. When it comes to certain voices, I'm like, I don't know. I guess for me, it's it's kind of like a a hit or a hit or miss, you know. That was just what I was gonna um, say. Um, but I really enjoy hers. What? Um, but I I don't I don't know if it's it really is just a hit or miss, or if this is maybe not as intense as some other ones. But like for example, the yeah. cranberries, zombies. I want to kill myself okay. when that song comes on the radio. Like yeah. I hate that song. <laughs> No, I love you don't like her no. accent. Please, <laughs> like it it with their tanks <laughs> and their guns and their bombs. I and want their to die. It, it's in my like head. that sucks. I hate that. Okay, I'm not gonna say it sucks. I just don't like it. Yeah, no, I I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I was I knew that you and Ayala were either gonna really like the vocals or really not like the vocals because I know that I bring stuff to you and go, look at this, it's got weird vocals, and you're either like, this is awesome or this sucks shit. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that Tucker has this, like, really aggressive vibrato to her voice, especially, uh, w- actually, we'll talk about that in, in, in a little bit. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think that both Tucker and Brownstein's vocals are, like, very dated. Not dated, but, like, they are very much from the time period and the genre that they are from. They are very, like, mid to late 90s femme punk like i i think that and i think that 
and this is probably this might be me projecting and maybe it's just that Corinne Tucker doesn't have like the most like traditional vocal training or whatever the fuck but I feel like these vocals fit in really nicely with this genre because they are not what we have come to expect broadly speaking from female vocalists in indie or alternative music we expect a little bit more like grace I think a lot of the time especially in more like popular indie nowadays and I don't know that the fact that both of them are very it's like very subversive in a way the fact that they're both like just like I'm gonna sing just the note like I'm not gonna do anything interest it's just like very it's almost like Spreiken sang, which is that like B-52s like speak sing kind of thing and I think I mean that, I think that yeah, subverts a lot of point. expectations of like female vocals yeah that's what I'm yeah. saying I think that it's deliberate it's yeah, supposed yeah. to be subversive. and I mean I also when it comes to like a punk or whatever like it's not about I don't think it's ever been about whether you can actually sing right good. like it's <laughs> I mean, about getting no, no, your no, thoughts no, no, out you not. know <laughs> yeah and and yeah it, it totally fits within the broader like punk genre I I, I think it's really I think that that that's not that's more most apparent in that like second that like last bridge the um um don't say another uh don't say another word about the other girl in because her voice breaks into this incredibly intense vibrato um yeah it's cool it's really unique I think that their music is broadly speaking really unique it's kind of one of the only things from this 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 genre and this time period that like became mainstream and survived really the test of time like they just put out an album about a year ago yeah their drummer left but yeah janet weiss yeah she left right after the album but it was produced by like saint vincent who i've talked about on this show Mm. before i love her uh that's cool it's a really 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 good album um yeah I, i think it's cool i think it's cool that they've stood the test of time um do you have any other thoughts on it as like a song not as like i don't know it's lyrics or meaning or anything it slaps, bro. That's all I can say. It's just a good... It's catchy. It's yeah. just a catchy, like, proto-punk pop song. It's cool. It reminds me of so many things. I was wondering if, like, maybe it inspired bands, like... Um, well, I don't know. My mind raced to Chastity Belt. Have you have y'all heard of Chastity Belt? I've they're heard... from Seattle. No. Yeah, they're cool. I wouldn't but, be surprised. Uh, I know that Slater Kinney is, despite the fact... They're kind of, in a way, a little bit like the Pixies, like I talked about last time, where they... Are oh important God. to the like form. The <laughs> Everyone's like the Pixies. Uh, no, but they're they're important to the development of the genre of indie music. Like they genuinely are. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I think they're. I just think they're interesting. I've always found them quite interesting, and I find them a little bit. I, I find them more interesting, and I find myself coming back to them more than I find myself coming back to like Bikini Kill, for example, mm. another Riot girl band. I like Bikini Kill. I don't dislike Bikini Kill or Heavens to Betsy like at all, but I find myself coming back to Slater Kinney. And I think it's maybe just because A, Slater Kinney has existed longer and they've put out more music over the, like they, they still exist as a band. And I don't think Bikini Kill or Heavens to Betsy still make music. I could be wrong though. And yeah, I think that they their their subject matter is a little bit more diverse. Not not to say because I mean, Riot Girl is very specific about its subject matter. It's a very political genre. It's a very a- advocate oriented genre, and and uh, Slater Kinney still does that, but some it's it's more varied, right? Like uh, I, I 
and this is also me speaking from knowing more about Slater Kenny than Bikini Kill or Heavens to Betsy or really any other rag girl band. But for example, this song is about this song is interesting because it's about the it's about Tucker and Brownstein. Yeah, Tucker and Brownstein's like relationship. They were dating when this band was formed. They were together for a number of years and when this album came out, they had just broken up. Oh. Like while they were recording this album, yeah, it's very it's very Fleetwood Mac rumors. Oh damn, in, um, way less of a soap opera, but still. And it's, I think that it's if you look at the lyrics and you listen to the lyrics, that's that makes sense. Maybe not so much that it's about those two people specifically, but it's a breakup song. I think pretty clearly the lyrics are, um, you know, like in one more hour I'll leave this room. Like I, it's a lot about like departure and like wanting to still be around that person and the kind of thing. But I think that it stands out perhaps the clearest in the chorus which is a call and response between tucker and brownstein and tucker is singing variations on like i needed it it's like i needed it i needed it and and brownstein's responses are i know it's so hard for you to let it go you never wanted to let it go and so it's it's interesting because these people are like lifelong friends they've continued to work together for decades but they started knowing each other by dating and to hear them kind of talk about like their relationship in that way is really interesting because it's it's sad like it's clear that the song is from the perspective of one of them wanting that relationship but also realizing that they don't need to be in that relationship kind of a thing and yeah let's let's uh let's just take a listen to that that specific part of the song that uh that chorus I think that's it's I cool. think that's really cool because um when talking about like say other examples of that like Fleetwood Mac or um the White Stripes, you know, that breakup oh, yeah. just ends up ending that Everything. band or whatever. Yeah. Relatable. Um it, I I and I don't think it did because this is their like I don't know if this is exactly their first album. This is their first album on No, it's not their first album. I lied. This is their third album and this came out in 97 and it ended they they put out one two three four more albums after this pretty much in a row in 99 2000 2002 2005 then they took a hiatus and then they came back in 2017 or 2015 2017 2019 so like and and their drummer just left last year but the two of them are still in this band together and yeah, it's awesome. I don't know. Some, something something about the way that they make music and something about the synergy in – like I know that Corinne Tucker is their main writer. I know that she is also their lead vocalist. But Carrie Brownstein is predominantly featured as a writer and as a vocalist and as a guitarist throughout their work. It's not It's not a The Beatles and Ringo situation. It's not a like Ringo's just here to play the music. <laughs> it's like a – like. I don't know. It has – there's clear collaboration between the two. And I think that that relationship in a way is is really cool because it, it would be hard, I think, especially being in your 20s, like 
breaking up with someone and then staying in this band with them. Uh, yeah, and I I don't know. I've always liked that song for that reason. I think it's really cool and unique and uh, I don't know. It's sad. <laughs> and now I want to talk about what my connection is to it because like usual, it has absolutely nothing to do with the song or the meaning or anything <laughs> like that. Um, so I grew up in the Portland metro area, like I've said several times in the show, but uh, both my parents are from Washington. And uh, they both grew up in Seattle. They both went to the University of Washington. And most of my family still lives in Washington, mostly around the Seattle area. Um, so I've always – I've spent a lot of time in Seattle. I've always been in Washington a lot. So I've always had a sort of kinship to that state despite the fact that I didn't grow up there. Um, one of the things that I always thought was the coolest about that, and I, I do even more as I do this show and I – work in this industry is that both my parents were b around my age in their 20s uh, when the Washington music scene started to become like really important in the early 90s with like grunge kind of happening and the, everything that happened around and after that era. And for some reason, I, I mean, I, I grew up around that music, right? Because like that was a very important music and mu or important moment in music history. And my dad is particularly into music not to say that my mom isn't, but my dad is like a big music person. So I heard about that a lot growing up and I heard about what it was like to live in that space and to be a part of that historical moment in music history. Kind of the development of a new genre of music that went on to influence rock for decades. Like we are still living in an era that is influenced by grunge music. So – for some reason, being around that music as I grew up and hearing about how my parents lived in that epicenter of that musical event, it made me like take pride in being from the Pacific Northwest. I think that everyone who is into music and is from an area that has some affluential musicians gets that. Like, Beto, you're from you – were, you were born here and you grew up here. And Naila, you grew up in the Pacific Northwest predominantly. So, like, I'm sure you can like, – I just say I'm West Coast – yeah. Right. But I'm sure you can empathize, though. Like, when someone is from the Pacific Northwest, when a musician is, there's that kind of like, yeah, good for them. That's cool. No, yeah, for like, sure. I was listening to Elliot Smith the other day, and I was like, damn, he really do be from Jeff's Portland. Kiss, because <laughs> the next thing I was going to say was about Elliot Smith. <laughs> it's, it's, I think that everyone, I think it's partially because we aren't California and New York, but I think that uh, anyone else, because, like, my, my partner is from Southern California, and she... Not that she's like a big music person, but I, I can't imagine being from Southern California being like, oh, this artist is from Southern California. How cool! Like that's not. Mm -hmm. um, but f like I, when I hear Elliot Smith sing about like the Rose Parade or Alameda, like that's cool. I know what he's talking about. I've seen that. I've been there. I think that we get this like hometown hero mentality and. I like like similarly. I know where Slater Kinney Road is. Yeah. I've driven under that road tens if not hundreds of times going into and from seattle because i spent a lot of time there and yeah i think it's just that slater kinney in particular uh partially because i i enjoy that type of music more than i'm really into grunge because i like grunge and i grew up listening to it but I, I enjoy like alternative rock like this a little bit more but slater kinney triggers the same like unjust nostalgia is the way that i labeled it that i got from when i went in london last summer because having this tangible connection to music changes how I feel about that music and having a tangible and familiar connection to Washington only compounds on that. So 
aside from the fact that I really like their music and I really see that they seem like cool people and they're really interesting and they're smart women like who are in part of an important movement and music scene, having that tangible connection to multiple facets of who they are makes them more interesting to me. And I think that that's something that like a lot of people can relate to. That's my two cents on uh, Slater Kinney. I agree. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Um, Beto, do you want to do this transition into Nayeli's thing? Yeah. Because I just talked for like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And now we'll pass it on to Nayeli. And what what you got to say? <laughs> I have a lot. Um, <laughs> Here's my... Recently, I've been trying to learn more about U.S. music history or like music history in general, but mostly focusing on on the US and mostly focusing on like rock and rock subgenres. Um because I you know, I didn't grow up listening to a lot of what is considered like classical like classic rock Dad or like rock. classical rock. Oh, sorry, no. I okay. Well, <laughs> wait. I just start goes hard. Look, what a lot of people talk about or listen to they get from like their parents right and so right here it's a lot of classic rock or like you like your parents were in that scene in washington so you know a lot about that my i mostly grew up listening to spanish music so i don't you know when people talk about the beatles i'm like look i i know the the few you know really popular songs you know Exactly. Yeah, you know, hey, Jude. Yeah. Uh, I know um, yesterday. <laughs> oh, those are kind of the only ones you need to know. That and uh, while my guitar gently weaves. Those are the only real, real important ones. Yeah, and so... <laughs> Sorry. Right, it's, it, I don't make As someone who wants to continue working in music and more specifically possibly music publication, music news, stuff like that, um, I felt like I needed to brush up on my history. Um, and I mostly started to learn about punk because that attracts me the most right now. A little bit of goth. Um, and through that, I've also just been learning, like I said, mostly rock U.S. history. Um, and I started to think about like, okay, like punk, that is like, when I feel like when a lot of people think about counterculture, they think of punk. Um, and mostly that, and I started to think about like, where, what is that right now? What is the counterculture right now? Or what, what, what has it been recently? Because, you know, recently with how music listening has changed, it it just has completely, the internet has changed everything. And what used to be, you only listen to like one or two genres and you buy records and go to shows or whatever now it's like you're listening to playlists and you're streaming and you know record sales don't really count for much um artists depend on touring and merch sales to get money and well and and even with like the advent of digital audio workstations and distribution software like bandcamp it's easier to make music Mm -hmm. like than it was you don't need to have access to a studio for example yeah and that's changed many things and we have so like in the past 10 years like there has been 
like this major increase in like sub genres and genre blending a lot more specifically recently. And that has made it very difficult to kind of answer the question of like, what is counterculture right now? Cause there's so many cultures going on right now and people are a part of many of them. Um, and initially when I started thinking about this, I was kind of thinking about hyper pop because that is something that I've been interested recently and hyper pop is like this it's kind of it's essentially what it means it's like this more intense pop music it's, it's pop turned up to 12 yeah and it's right? been pioneered by like Sophie and Charlie XCX has been doing it more recently 100 Gex which I'm going to talk about a little bit more um and, and a bunch of other people um and that's kind of where I thought, but I was getting things confused. I was really interested in hyperpop, and that's why I kind of was like making this connection that wasn't necessarily there. Because um, I, I was not really understanding what counterculture was, and I was more so just thinking about a subgenre. Um, and so counterculture culture is a culture whose values and norms of behavior differ substantially from those of mainstream society, often in opposition to mainstream cultural mores. That is the official definition. And in the past, what that has looked like is being anti-war, um, a sexual revolution, rebellion, re- rebellion anti-sexism, anti-capitalism. Um, because So what what do you think steers us away from that now? Because those things I think are still really present. I'm not saying that like that rap. steers us away from it. But the thing is, that isn't necessarily counterculture now. Right, it's more mainstream. That is, I, I guess. Although counterculture isn't also... I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a, against mainstream. Even though that isn't the definition. But I... <laughs> I wouldn't say this definition is correct. I'm just I'm just adding little just sure. because like I it's also really hard to think about some things because right now what is common and more than norm now is not what was experienced 10 years ago yeah and then I was talking to a friend about it and he made a really good point about why vaporwave is the counterculture of the the 2010s. Um, And he said, uh, vaporwave is counterculture because it takes something that was popular and distorts it, often beyond recognition. Vaporwave is admitting that capitalism has won and trying to find beauty in it. That's why vaporwave works. It exists because of the machine. Which, as we know, a lot of counterculture is about raging against the machine ha fucking okay sorry i think he has a a very good point um i think vaporwave is a really good contender because of its um internet-y bit of it the internet it's a meme it's no okay it surpassed it is it was a meme um and an aesthetic and it well it was yeah. an aesthetic 
I guess the, the point is, I feel like that really show vaporwave really showcases what was going on in online culture at the time, and which online culture at that time around like early 2000s was not mainstream. Yeah. It was not popular. Like it was only right now, everybody's online, everybody is memeing, you know, all of that good stuff. But that that wasn't mainstream. That wasn't common at that time. Mm-hmm. And and some other things that I wanted to know that kind of came from this era, which will lead into what I'm going to be talking about next, is like Nightcore, Hatsune Miku. Um, the genre of Hatsune Miku. Vocaloid. I'm talking about Vocaloid. Um, and, and all of this, like, we're seeing this new type of, like, electronic music. And it's not that electronic music or EDM was like new or anything but i feel like it kind of resurfaced around this time kind of thanks to skrillex and like making dubstep mainstream um kind of also because like 2012 was when we first saw k-pop make it into a u.s household with um what, Gundam what style. happened in 2012 oh, oh yeah. yeah okay yeah. um i've never thought about that as k-pop but it completely is k-pop it is and it's just one, Gundam style. yeah and once again more online as in because also online and the internet has different spaces obviously mm-hmm. um but i feel like at the time there was the people who were using it more like as a tool or watching like or maybe they were watching funny cat videos and then there were the people who were like kind of in it they were in that like they were watching certain youtubers they were on reddit or 4chan like that's like a certain group of people at that time and you know vocaloid and i i don't know i in in a sense i feel like i may be projecting because that was kind of what i was doing at that time and i was Mm -hmm. kind of in that and maybe it I want to say that that was the counterculture at the time because I kind of experienced it. But I I also can't really think of anything else that could have been that at the time. That wasn't another iteration of punk or whatever, you know? Yeah. I think that the advent of the internet has, has maybe made the term counterculture somewhat obsolete in a way because it, 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 the term counterculture implies that there is a predominant culture. I mean, that's just inherent in the definition. And the internet has allowed so many different subcultures to become something more than a subculture. Like, there's no way that, like, dubstep would have been a thing without the internet. Yeah. There's no way because it needs, it's not mass appeal in in pretty much any way right mm-hmm. like there yeah my my point is just that it, it 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 needs something like that the ability to spread virally from person to person over infinite amounts of space to become as popular as it is i no i agree i i do think that it is sort of dated because like i said things are just so much different now but i and also right and i think we've talked about this before in terms of like genre as a thing and how that isn't really a thing anymore. And I right. feel like now, when talking about counterculture, it isn't about a specific genre. 
And this mm-hmm. is where I want to start getting into my the other thing that I was going to say. Um, I think what we're experiencing right now isn't necessarily a specific genre or a specific scene, but more like it's more so an ideology. Like, I don't know if that's the right word. I don't know if it is either. <laughs> Can you explain? Yeah. So, yeah. well, like, like well, in the past, yeah. people have um used like punk as a vehicle for um anti-war anti-capitalism um sure expressions right but i feel like now instead of using a, a certain genre to express that it is more just the just the anti-war or whatever but right now what i would argue and right now i'm not talking about the 2010s i'm talking about like right now right now I'm talking about mm-hmm. anti-cringe. No more cringe. Society has su- surpassed the need for cringe. Um, have you been on Reddit ever? <laughs> have you been what do you on mean? What I am saying is that... <laughs> anti-cringe is one of the potential titles of this show. What uh-huh. I'm saying is counterculture right now, or what it has been the past couple of years, is being uh, anti-cringe. Okay. What it means is being able to fully and thoroughly enjoy something and not be embarrassed by it no matter what people say about it actually loving things and not caring what other people care this is a good fucking argument and this is where Uh, i get 100 gags oh my god 100 gags is like the epitome of anti-cringe of it is anti-cringe because i fucking love them and i genuinely like the music like i really do i do think it is good music and the reason why i'm saying it that the way that i am is because whenever i show it to somebody or whatever or like when i showed it to to you drew you were like do Mm. you actually like this like do you unironically like this and i'm like yes i do unironically like this it's because it's it's you, this is the this is the coolest argument I've heard someone make to me in a while. By the way, <laughs> we're finally coming out of the two thousands and nineties. Everything is fucking ironic. Mm-hmm. Like finally, and and everything like not even being post ironic, being like, uh, I am wearing a Coca Cola T shirt because like consumerism is a thing, so it's ironic. But I also like Coca Cola, so it's post ironic. It's just like no, I just like soda. That's yeah. it. Like, it, it's 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 this like return to sincerity. Yes. Yes. Fuck, that's really really clever. Yes, that this yeah. is what I'm talking about. Like, and, and you're right because when you asked, you were like, "Look at this band." I was like, "Do you actually like this, or is this like a like I I ironically listen to Breathe Carolina because it's funny?" Like, no, I, you actually. I mean, I don't like it personally, but exactly. like, that's exactly. <laughs> A very good argument for counterculture, internet counterculture. Yeah, Shit. I think that that's what it is, anti-cringe. And I, I think that is what 100 Gex is doing right now. And mm-hmm. when, okay, when I first saw 100 Gex, it, 
it was also my first time listening to them and they were opening for Brockhampton who when I saw them were already were pretty big you know they have Mm -hmm. they had reached their like popularity their mainstreamness um and while I was in the crowd and everyone around me was like what the fuck is this this is weird this isn't (laughs) music when is Brockhampton gonna come on and I was like I was confused but like in a curious way where like I don't really understand what's yeah I was vibing I was like I don't really understand what's going on I haven't really heard something like this or I ha- or not in this kind of setting but I like it and I mm-hmm. ended up coming back to them um a few months after I think and I loved it and it it's also like kind of reminds me of whenever I listen to Joanna Newsom because a lot of people really hate her voice. Um, her voice is cool. I don't know what people are talking and about. And I, I love it. And, like, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to recommend this to you because I know you're probably not going to like it, but I really do, even if yeah. it is not what most people would like. But I, but, and also at this point, and like I said about the whole anti-cringe, like, I also don't care anymore because I'm just going to like shit that I like. I don't care that you make fun of me that I like because I like the strokes or whatever, you know, like. No, there's nothing wrong with liking the strokes. Yeah. It has nothing to do with me thinking the strokes no, no, are or, I just like Or even fun just of the fact that I listen to like, <laughs> like shitty alt music or whatever. Like right now I'm saying right. shitty, but like I don't actually think it's shitty because I actually do like it. I don't care if I'm going to listen. Yeah. I don't care. If I listen to the same Mac DeMarco album all the time, like I get, I get the memes or whatever, but you know, I do like that, but I also really like yeah. 100 Gex and I, yeah, it, and what I love about them too is that other, like Drew, you're not the only person that has been like, oh, I, this is irony or whatever or like they're this is mm-hmm. this is me music or they're making this ironically but they don't like yeah. dylan it's and genuine Lauren experimental make they genuinely like what they're doing this yeah. isn't um what's it called like the pink guy album like <laughs> yeah it's not filthy yeah pink. yeah oh um, it's post post ironic no because it's genuine exactly <laughs> It's cyclical. We've come around to genuine sincerity from from irony to post irony to post post irony. Yeah, I, and I guess um, another point to make is that I kind of feel like other people are starting to catch on to this in terms of sincerity, mm-hmm. but it's still. And the reason why I'll I'll, uh, I'll say that it is counterculture is because it still even isn't. People still aren't truly tapping into it. Like, they say they are, but they're not really. Like, the other day, I was having a conversation with my friends, one of which uh, I had talked to about, you know, I I have, I told them, no more cringe, society has has surpassed the need for cringe, and they agreed with me. And yet, um, recently, when I was talking to them and some of their friends, I was, they started memeing on furries, because that's like, that's what people Mm -hmm. do. People- That's popular. make fun of furries and i was like nah dude they're just they're just they just like it they're just furries like you know and i was Mm -hmm. defending furries um but these people who were saying that they were anti-cringe were still being like well 
Yeah, they were still cringing at people. And I'm like, cringing. no, fuck that. Or like on TikTok, you know, they'll, um, some people will make like TikToks of certain types of people from like high school or whatever. And one that I've been seeing going around is about like that nerdy guy that wears like Pokemon t-shirts and like mm-hmm. has headphones and like and a and a sweatsuit yeah and like low-key making fun of that kind of guy and like personally like i mean i do understand what's funny about that tiktok or whatever but also like you know what that guy was just being genuine who cares if they're wearing a pokemon t-shirt like you know let people enjoy things it's the commitment to something that would be so traditionally like cringe inducing but it's like you just like that. Cool. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Nice. Sweet. Noise rock is the way that I've there always we go. It talked about. Yeah. So. <laughs> so basically. So basically. <laughs> no. So so I can't. I guess I. This isn't a very factual, very very logical conversation. But so the rumor is that there was this like journalist, this like music reviewer, and this was like in like in like the UK or something. And apparently they went and got and they went to the show and they were like reviewing this band and on the review they like they were like man these these dudes were just like shoegazing the whole time like they were playing this like ambience this ambient like rock thing you know like weird whoosh sounds and stuff and i guess like the players like the performers were Looking just like standing still and just like <laughs> that's a great at their, term. At their pedal board yeah <laughs> so like this like term shoegaze came out out of that, you know, um, I mean, there were some bands I forgot to tell you guys, but like, I guess you could describe it as like this, like heavily um, <sighs> reliance, dependence. I don't think those are right words. Or use, but they're right? like the color. Yeah, yeah, it's like the freaking. It's like the colors on their palette, you know. Like on their little like artist thing, like they just use these pedals for that type of music, you know. And I guess you could describe like shoegaze as like a deviation from, um, like another, you know, like all the other like deviations from traditional like rock songs or traditional music or mainstream music. This is just like another path that like that branched out, and it has like this focus on more of like a sound design, more of like a soundscape. Um, could be introspective um or it could just be trippy like the it's it's subjective matter you know like you're like whatever you're gonna get out of it you're gonna get out of it you know but it was um i would say like some iconic bands or like some yeah or iconic bands or bands that help define what the shoegaze sounded like would be like a very like for starters a very well-known one is my bloody valentine or for short m MBV, I had to think about that one. <laughs> yeah, I was MBM. MBM, yeah. 
And my uh, buddy Mountain Time. Yeah, and like the thing is, like I've always heard about them. This is like uh, like tangent me. I always heard about them, and for the longest time, I thought I was confused them with like Bullet for my Valentine, yes. oh which my God, is yes. like <laughs> yeah. So I never gave them the light of day. Me like too. I never yeah. was like I was like these fucking screamo. Oh, I'm like, God, why do people funny. love them? I was like, why do people like them? And then um. No, like I had been listening to shoegaze before, but like never this man. I always avoided them. But then um, I started like everybody else. I I loved Loveless, you know, um, the juxtaposition, man, you know. But it's like um, I it, it's very well known for its for the ambiences created by um, Kevin Shields' uh, guitar work in the band. Kevin Shields is like one of the I, I would say like the leads in the band. I don't know, like I don't know if he's like the lead of the band, but he's definitely like one of the writers and he, pioneer is like a strong word. He he definitely like and he definitely created like new ways to like think about guitar. Like he basically made a guitar not sound like a guitar in like a very new way. That you know using pedals and stuff, and um, he was able to create these like really really cool landscape i don't know sa- landscapes these really cool soundscapes um yeah but still um i don't know these thesis were still i, I mean I, I they put in a lot of work for sure but they were definitely still trying to make money i would say so like they still they're able to like bring this like this alternative sound and mix it with like mainstream music so like rock is pretty mainstream so you get like these like really bizarre sounding like rock songs like like the first track on their album only shallow and you know you're just gonna have to listen to this or because you won't understand So yeah, did you hear that? Did you, did you hear that guitar go? <laughs> <laughs> Good old three take Beethoven. <laughs> So yeah, you could hear that guitar, or was that even a guitar? Was that a synth? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> leave your it's leave your game show. leave your response in the comments below. <laughs> Yeah. On Spotify. <laughs> on Spotify. It's so no, vibey. So, yeah, it's, it's very it's vibey. vibey mm-hmm. Some yeah. some some words. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. Some words that I've been that I've heard that are like I think are very right in describing it. Not like very right. Like this is this is facts, bro. But like uh, that, it's like very um, what's that word like? It's like not gendered necessarily. Like it's like sometimes like music uh, like. Uh, is gendered. I don't know how to explain. It. You know, like how like rock can mm-hmm. sometimes be like, oh, it's like so masculine, masculine mm-hmm. and stuff. And yeah, sure. Yeah, and then but this music is like really aggressive, and you could see it like yeah, because it comes in like punching, <laughs> and then yeah, it's is like a indiscriminate. Boy. Yeah, <laughs> it's and, like indiscriminate. It, it it defines like well, it's this is a word like it's de- a, definition. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's that word. It's it's, it's a song. Neutral. Yeah, this well, music is queer. <laughs> I, I yeah, it, it's like music. 
it like hits hard and then it like hits with like belinda. i think her name is belinda's like vocals like come in and it's like the soft like caressing juxtaposition like, is yeah that what you're looking for sure juxtaposition or oh and draw is that one is androgynous still a term androgynous? Yeah. yeah like it's still like very just like whoa you know it's just like damn this is like going on and then there's like this like soundscape that's built with everything you know it's like very noisy it's a noisy noisy mm-hmm. thing you know i don't know what did you, did you two listen to the song or Mm-hmm. pretend that you listen yeah. to them i did i actually do <laughs> listen to the things that we talk about in our pre-pro meeting um surprisingly like mm-hmm. i said it's yeah. like it's some vibey grunge vibey grunge a little bit yeah mm. i really enjoy it i mean it's like up my alley you know in terms of like vibey music <laughs> vibey music i mean for yeah. a while i was mostly listening to just like chill stuff Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They 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 create a soundscape in a way that that also we're talking about the the my bloody Valentine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They create a soundscape in a way that also doesn't like it's not the whole thing. You know, like one of the other songs you're going to talk about is basically just a sonic art piece. Um, and yeah, I think it's I think it's cool to incorporate some of those things that that come from. Sonic art, which is a similar discipline with completely different rules, into into a more traditional framework. Um, just a quick shout out to another band that was like very def- um, that helped define the genre. Yeah, would be like a s- slow dive. So it's like a lot of these oh, white kids from yeah. the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Melancore loves them. Melancore loves <laughs> them. Yeah, I, I, my favorite one is probably like a very. <laughs> a very a very i don't know i think it's a very popular one but i think it's really cool um allison mm-hmm. by slow dive is a great one to get into it i actually got a pedal a guitar pedal because of slow dive i was like damn that's so dope why did they do that if i got this like pitch shifting pedal the ps2 by boss that's cool um, Not a PlayStation? i feel like cool. I, I feel like they're like the beginnings of what is modern alt Oh, okay. If that makes sense. Or at least like when I when yeah. I listened to Slow Die first and now listening to My Bloody Valentine, like I feel like that it is because of them that we have people like Mac DeMarco, I feel like. Yeah. And oh, yeah, that's a very good way to mm-hmm. put it. Yeah. Yeah, th- this genre, this like focus on effects, focus on on distortion that starts with grunge and continues through the 90s is incredibly important to what modern alternative is. Actually, I should say it starts with the Pixies. Um <laughs> Damn. <but> okay. <laughs> this is the meme on the show. Now. No, but yeah, no, th- this like focus on distortion and like affecting the sound in a way to change it to alter it it it's a through line that goes from fucking nirvana and it extends to things like brockhampton or 100 gags like it is the 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 use of distortion is incredibly prevalent in music today in all genres not even just alternative rock i mean i will say that the just noise culture in general as well as like some electronic stuff from like the 90s and 2000s and stuff like that i feel like what happened was that thing you know things were going on in like rock i'm just gonna put it all under rock and that was like known that i feel like that was a 
they think that was known. But then also to the side, we were seeing these advances in like electronic music and mm -hmm. that then with the internet. And I feel like right now, what we're mostly seeing is this like connection of um, electronic and rock. And yeah. that is like, I feel like th the basis of what is rock, m rock music right now, mostly. Yeah. It's the internet plus the ability to modulate sound in yeah. ways, basically. I mean, what you said made me think of, like, that, like, Russian band I brought up last time, Drew. Mm -hmm. uh, I forgot how Alex pronounced it, but, like, I would say Burak, like, Burak. No idea. Yeah. And, I and, have no idea. <laughs> and they're, like, post-punk with, like, chorus guitars, mm -hmm. but their drummer, it's just a two-piece band. It's a bass player and a guitar mm -hmm. player, and then their drummer is a little freaking drum machine that's this big. <laughs> like that's it like that's awesome yeah that's it i feel like things were happening separately in like the late 20th century and then because of the internet it was able to all converge in the 2000s yeah. and 2010s and now we're seeing like these really cool mashups and i i i feel like electronic is kind of what has been the in the catalyst middle. yeah it's been it's been incorporated into everything yeah it's been incorporated into rap it's been incorporated, incorporated into, into pop, pop and, rock. and rock and like I, I i hate that i'm about to say this but it's been incorporated into jazz or with um what's it called electro swing i hate it worst genre hey let's not <laughs> actually, talk about the swing revival. actually you know what never mind i love people who like Electra Swing. Remember, anti-cringe. Okay. We're anti -cringe. not cringing. Here's, okay, no, here's, no, because here's the problem, is every word of the band name Cherry Pop and Daddies is upsetting. Anti-cringe, you know what? that's upsetting. They do what no, they want. No, no, I'm allowed to cringe at the Cherry Pop and Daddies, and I will reserve that fucking right. Well, I'm going to take back <laughs> what I said, and you know what? It has, electronic music has gone into everything, and I think that's fucking cool, and... Zoot Suit Riot. I don't know what that is. Okay. <laughs> Quietly sings Zootsie Riot. I don't know the song. I don't know. See, you you <laughs> like the Cherry Pop and Daddies. I'm that's know, the vibe I'm actually, trying to get. But I know that song because it's her. Uh, definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the pioneers of that were hip hop DJs mm -hmm. and um, a lot of Japanese artists. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I have no that's idea. Accurate. Um. The incorporation of electronica into other stuff, right? Yeah, or like just yeah. electronic milestones. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not an expert, so I'll I'll trust you. But anyway, <laughs> oh, Beto, yeah. you were talking about anyway. Noise. Yeah, and then we got real noisy with you know. I'm now that I'm talking out loud, I'm starting to realize that like grunge had a lot to do with this because when we we're just talking about noise, there was like this literal approach just to being noisy and loud that like Dinosaur Junior brought during the '90s, and they were just like stupid loud. Like, I, I saw them live. Like, no, like, stupid loud. Like, I mean it. Like, they just have yeah. a wall of speakers. And it's like, you don't need yeah. a wall. You don't need Shout it. Shout out Grateful but Dead. You, but you have it, yeah. And Oh, Grateful did that? Damn, that's cool. They did it first. Well, yeah, it was, it was fucking insane. So, I don't know. I'm starting to, like, think about that a little more now. But the last band I wanted to talk about in terms of, like, um, I guess shoegaze. Or, I don't even know what to call it. Sonic Youth did break a lot of... Um, <laughs> Make, I'm, I'm hyping them up. I, I'm hyping them up too much. 
they're like they broke a lot of rules you know like they, they, they didn't really conform to a lot of stuff they started like really avant-garde i would say avant-garde like they were like hella sweaty and hella <laughs> trying to make like a statement you know Dude, they were sweaty. I've never heard someone call a band sweaty. I've only heard that referred to in like tryhards in video games. Oh, that's where it's from. I don't know. That's where I learned it. Oh, that's <laughs> so good. I'm gonna start calling musicians sweaty. Yeah. Now. Well, they were hella sweaty and Fucking sweats. I mean, they're cool. I still like them. I mean, they yeah. they did what they did and it worked. And um, so like on their first album, "Kill Your Idols," like already that's a very artsy name. You know, I'm like, damn, these kids are so fucking tight. You know, I wouldn't. You know. <laughs> I'd be a little shy so around them. So fucking artsy. I'd be like, fuck. Can I have God, your, there's so many meanings. Can I have your, can yeah. I have your autograph? You know? I'd be like, fuck. But uh, anyway. Anti-cringe. <laughs> but, um... All right, they have a they have a great song on on their album "Kill Your Idols." Um, it's like a very artsy, noisy. I'm sure there's effects in it, but it's called "Inhuman." And here it is. Yeah, wasn't that a little spooky? I thought it was a little spooky, but in a good way. What y'all think? <laughs> I like it. I li- I don't know. Something about Sonic Youth is just cool. I never really got into Sonic Youth as at any point in my life, but I'm mm-hmm. familiar with them. They're cool. Yeah. They do kind of exist in this weird space, but I-, I think they're cool. I I I liked it too, but I would say I guess I've heard a little bit more about um from that one album that people have T shirts of. Melancore oh, also yeah, really um, likes it. Um, <laughs> damn, I'm 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 all melancore today. Damn, we can never ever have you on the podcast again. <laughs> <I> swear <laughs> to God, um, Teenage Riot. I think it's the album you're referring to. Uh, oh, I like that really, one. The really black and white popular. one. That's like a drawing. Oh I, no, that's goo. That's that, goo. Oh yeah, yeah, goo. That one. Mm-hmm. I like that sound a little bit more. Oh, yeah. But maybe, maybe I just need to. It... Sorry, what was that? No, uh, I was just gonna interject. I guess. Um, that that was like their mainstream one because they got mm-hmm. like a really good deal or something. So that one, I love that album too. But that's that's why, because they went like more um, uh, like more pleasing. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. More traditional alternative. Sure. Cool. I guess I I said three bands. Do I should I say it? All right, I'll do it. Fine. I'll make it quick. The Brian Jones Sun Massacre, this revival of '60s like old old retro music, and bringing it, bringing the flavor of now into it. Um, they do a lot of great stuff with effects, um, everything, songwriting. I hyped them up a little bit too much, but the I don't know, think you do. It, it actually. is it They're is what good. it is. They're fucking tight. All right, and. On their first album, Methadrone, they were trying to go that they were very inspired, in my opinion, by like uh, shoegaze more because they they changed their sound like every album. But this first album, I actually bought their album Zero 
recently, but like we'll talk about that later. Anyway, <laughs> the first album at the drone was very inspired by that, and there's this great song on there um, called "Wisdom," and it's all the vibes. Yeah, I would consider that shoegaze. I don't know, listeners, or what you guys would think. It's very soundscapey, very repetitive. Leave your answer in the comments below. <laughs> Leave your answer in the comments below. But yeah, I mean, that's all I got for today. It's just a bit more of a listen on your own and think about Play along it. at home. Yeah, play along at home. Exactly. Sweet. So we always like to talk about what we've been listening to um, recently. Um, and we always, you know, want to, want to share some new music or music we've been into all that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, I'll take the reins here. Um, I weirdly enough, like I've been listening to, I had been listening to a lot of like pretty crunchy guitar oriented alternative rock, like Pixies and stuff like Slater Kinney and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I need something a little bit softer. So I, Finally got around to checking out Sufjan Stevens. Oh yes, I saw I you listening enjoy. to them. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy his music. Um, I, it's it's kind of the it, it falls into that category of things that like I could never really pick out specific songs, but like it's a good like just put it on and it's just kind of there and hanging out with my good friend. Very Sufjan good soft Stevens. boy music. Yeah, um, the one song that I really wanted to highlight though is uh, one of the his more if not the most popular songs, Chicago, because I think it's a really, really, really unique and interesting song. I think it uses trumpet in a really interesting way. I think that it uses vocals in a really interesting way. It's very choral. It's very traditional, but it's also very poppy. Um, so yeah, let's let's check out a, a clip of Chicago by Sufjan Stevens. Mistakes in my mind, in my mind. You came to take Yeah, I really, I really enjoy this song in particular. It's the intro to a song or to a show that I've been watching a lot recently called The Politician, and it's popped up in another show that I really like. Uh, yeah, and I just, I don't know. I've been watching that show, and it's like the only show on Netflix that I only ever, I always watch the intro to it because it's a cool intro and it's a great, it's a great song. So I was like, I should just go listen to that song, and I've just kind of been listening to it on repeat for the last like two weeks. It's a really cool song. Please check it out. Please check out Sufjan Stevens. Uh, uh, Beto, what are you doing? What are you uh, to? I've been listening to Idris. Uh, mm. They're awesome. Um, I've been listening, I guess, like, I don't know, to a lot of it, but I've especially been vibing to Let's Skip to the Wedding, which is also the name of their new album that's coming up, which is dope. But uh, here's a clip. 
yeah, I mean, I love the retro feel to it. I know I mentioned it earlier. I'm a fan of that. Um, I'm actually in love with the synth that he uses. Um, it's like I, I'm guessing it's a JX3P, and it looks super cool. If you guys want to Google that, it looks super, super 80s, but super cool. It's like a Juno, but mm-hmm. I want to get one of those. And yeah, what about you, Nayeli? Um, like I said earlier, I've been trying to do like music history research or whatever. So I've been like all over the place, like actually. Um, mm. But more recently, I've been listening to a lot of Vocaloid. But what I want to highlight, nice. what I want to highlight is, um, yes, Hatsune Miku. Um, so kind of what I was talking about earlier about like noise music, but like not just noisy music, but noise music. And what I kind of fell upon, fell upon was, I guess, what is considered kind of like the father album or like one of the most iconic noise albums, which is Pulse Demon by Merz Bell, who is um, a Japanese artist who makes his songs out of like just anything, <laughs> just, just, just anything. And I, I actually liked this i you know initially when going into it everybody's gonna be like or i guess the initial reaction for most people would be like what the fuck is this this is just noise which i mean it it is but i do think what he does in this even if it didn't directly influence others it definitely indirectly influenced a lot of what we're talking about right now in terms of like that blending of electronic music with um, like rock and all of that. So definitely check that out, but I'm not going to make you listen to it on this podcast <laughs> because that's that'll probably hurt you. So instead, okay, listen to this clip of Vocaloid. <laughs> And that wraps up this week's episode of the Out of Face podcast presented by PSPS. Once again, I am Beto Carrasco. And I'm Drew Havner. And we'd like to thank our guest, Nayeli, for being hey. here again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Yeah. Anti cringe, people. Anti cringe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Catch y'all next time. It's, this is a fucking sonic medium. We're piecing out. <laughs> Beautiful. All right.